Welcome to episode 6 of Red, Right, and Ridiculous. No, I do not think that Gillette commercial was good at all. I mean, who barbecues with like 15 people in the road? Right, and that's the point that I made was the only real statement they were making is the individuals who are responsible for global warming is liberals because there are fucking 40 of them sitting in the background of these grills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of carbon emissions that they that did for that time. commercial. You know, just making their, their footprint, yeah. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Think about the amount of uh, mass shootings since this whole uh, pussification of America started. It's uh, increased, right? It's, it has quite so. You know why? Because two dudes can't go in the backyard and fucking duke it out, man. Duke it out. Get their can't be men about it. Can't throw their throw their uh, throw their fists around, you know, and say, "Hey, man." Did we talk I respect about you for that. No, we had. We had for... Did we talk about this last time? Mm, not last time. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I don't think that it was good. Yeah, my cousin posted that it was not a bad advertisement or whatever. I disagree. I well, strongly like, disagree on the fact the, that it was a bad advertisement. I think it's a bad move on the sense that it really didn't... What is up with your voice? I've been sick for the past week, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's been it, it's a bad advertisement on the sense of a marketing stance because it talks nothing of the product. It talks about their viewpoints of of dudes being the root of um, this culture of misogyny and yeah. I think there's a lot of a lot of people who misconstrue the message they give as to. Well, boys will be boys, and men are men because they're misogynist or they're they're what do you, whatever you want to call it, more chauvinistic, chauvinistic, or, yeah, more absolutely. bigoted. But you consider the fact that the, those circumstances are very uncommon, and you consider the fact that um, that is the audience of which they advertise, advertise to. So men who use Gillette typically fall into that category of being an asshole. That's what they're kind of telling you, right? I mean, there is that I mean, I'll say that I have two Gillette razors sitting in my closet right now, in, in my bathroom right now. To, like, open up your veins later or what? Because you're a man <laughs> sitting in a bathtub. Because there was that watch commercial that did the exact opposite. Yeah, we talked about that, too. It was, uh, let me check. Oh, yeah, it was a deleted episode. That's why... Yeah, it was the one where I sounded like Satan the entire time because I had that Satan. filter on. <clears throat> uh, the Super Bowl commercial, that first responder thing that was put on, how the it was a Verizon commercial during the Super Bowl, talked about um, the NFL players that have been positively affected by the first responders in their life. Like the, a couple of them, yeah, like paramedics, a, EMTs, a, and yes, that's right. firefighters, and talking police about, officers. Uh, an incident that occurred with him mm-hmm. regarding a vehicle accident that he was in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, come to find out three or four of the individuals who were 
there he was speaking to were the ones who responded to his accident. Mm. Yeah, moving. Moving. Yeah. And you could see the emotion on his face too. He had tears on his on his cheeks and everything. And and I can only imagine what, what that kind of situation is like. Not only being surprised at the fact that well, the people who saved my life are there at mm-hmm. the moment I'm telling this story to where I've been 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 rescued and, and, and am obviously moved by it. Sure. Um Well, I mean, literally their life was affected by it. And uh, Little Wayne talked about <clears throat> Uncle Bob. You know, Uncle that? Bob, man, I love that guy, Little Wayne. I like, I love that story he tells He's, about the white dude that goes and the white cop saves who saved ass. him when he was a child after being shot. Where? What city was he in? Chicago, Detroit? Um, I don't remember. That's Some, a good question. Let me see where, uh, where Little Wayne's from. When you pulled that up, men and women <clears throat> serve their community very well. I work. With women in my other job, not my desk job, but the other job. I'm not going to mention what I do outside of the desk job. But there's very capable women that I work with. Who are, and I'm a first responder. I love working with them. I Lil love Wayne's the, from Louisiana, by the way. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, so I'll, I'll touch back on Little Wayne in a minute. But the the whole point of the first responder thing, I know that kind of focusing a little bit on men right here but i mean typically men whether you're a law enforcement officer firefighter paramedic emt whatever the case you are typically does involve more men and then statistically more men die in the job statistically more men are in those capacity of being first responder more men are obviously killed in the military I know there's a lot of dispute whether or not women should be in those combat roles, like um, tier one operators. Women are killed constantly in war, so obviously they're on the front lines as well. Historically speaking, men have this capacity of being more aggressive, being... I, I'm moving away from using the term manly because I don't want it to fall into that, but historically, if you look at our past, right, if you look at mankind actually evolving the reason why men have this incredible amount of aggression is 100 percent based off of survival because if you look absolutely at, yeah you look at a tribe you have uh 14 to 17 year old men that are in that tribe that are hunting hunting animals 15 times their weight yeah absolutely it takes a lot of that non-thinking brain like the the anger you know like the term, you know, when I see red, you know, when someone sure. gets so fucking upset, so angry, so it's a passion that comes over your your psyche, like you can't control it. And that sort of thing, I think, comes with the testosterone yeah. because we had to hunt. We had to take on those animals fearlessly. Our There's bot- a strange of subconscious instinct that kicks in at some course. point. Yeah. yeah, with fighting you with know, this it's protection thing. Because... <clears throat> the one thing I want to teach my son when he grows up too is don't be a scared don't be don't be a scared don't be a scared of it, man. <laughs> what am I, Chucky Finster? <laughs> don't, don't be a scared. Um, no, don't be afraid of of things like trying new stuff or approaching a girl. You know, when when you get older, because you got to remember, our ancestors were incredibly brave. What is the worst thing that could happen in your life right now by approaching this girl? 
What is the worst thing that could happen in your life by applying for this job, by asking for a raise, by by trying something new? You got to remember that our ancestors survived and you are here today because they decided to fight a freaking polar bear with sticks that were sharpened. Mm-hmm. You know. You hear that? You hear that, Jackson? <laughs> we fought sharpened st- with sticks. You fought sticks that were sharpened. Polar bears. And Woolly mammoths. Woolly mammoths. Saber-toothed tigers. The rule of five is something that I've adopted in my life. The rule of five for me is if I'm going to you know, go after something, is it going to matter in five minutes? Yes. When it talks about rejection, is it going to matter in five hours? Is it going to matter in five days? Is it going to matter in five weeks, five months, five years? Yeah. A lot of that fear goes away of that rejection. I, I have interviewed 30 times for a public safety job and I've been turned down 27 times. Yeah. 27 times. And that takes a lot of perseverance Mm -hmm. and a lot of fear goes into something like that. But if you have that mentality of not being a hard charger, realizing that every opportunity that you've been told no is an opportunity for you to grow Mm -hmm. an opportunity for you to get better, to reflect, to look, see how can I accomplish my goal later on? That manliness can be adopted by man, woman, doesn't matter. But it, a lot of those principles come from a more masculine side. Right. We, as men, can also learn from more feminine traits. Of When you look at the typical nuclear household, someone, a woman is nurturing, someone that's reliable, loyal, someone that has probably the greatest amount of perseverance you know when you th- that saying you know behind every good man is a very strong woman right a woman there has to be a separation between the genders because we're supposed to complement one another mm-hmm. i think this the the fact that america has become so sensitive is fucking exhausting it is because there is no rock in that in that um nuclear household anymore they're trying to bastardize it. Yes. Say it's not, it's not, it's, it's too old school. We can't have a nuclear household anymore. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. There's been so many people that have been raised by one parent, as unfortunate as it is, they forget the fact that having the two parents, having the separation of the, the roles of gender really play a massive factor in the way that a child grows up and sees the world. I think that a lot of it also plays in with that one parent who primarily has the child says, well, this this child, whether it be male or female, doesn't need the opposite sex. You don't you don't necessarily need your dad. You don't need your mom because I have you have me. You know, I'm here to teach you whatever it is you need to learn. Which isn't true. And talking shit about the other one, too. Absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. Fuck that guy. You know, Fuck, he, yeah. you know, and then you start resenting and growing up hating whatever parent it is. You get a fucking distorted perception on, like, what that role is supposed right. to be. Right. There's no co parenting in, in that sense of the means. There's no, um, there's no balance to what is a dad? What is a mom? Because, sure, I'll say that a parent can fill both. And being a, a, a product of a, a separated household, I'll say that a parent can certainly be mom and dad, but they need to understand that 
he cannot necessarily fill that position of dad if they're the mom or mom if they're the dad. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you are built a certain way. Your, your complex brain and your personality and law that is simply based off of what gender you are. And I hate the fact that this gender thing is becoming a blur like California school that's uh, supposed to be teaching 15 different genders starting from kindergarten. 15 different genders. What the fuck does that even mean? 15 different genders. There is a man and there's a woman. We should not be condoning and teaching mental illness as the norm. That is... I would... Dude, if I was in Southern California and I learned that shit, I would be fucking moving the next day. There is a serious issue when I, and it comes back to just being this sensitive, um, stupid America, man. There's a super oversensitive um, thought process of, oh, we don't want to hurt this person's feelings, or uh, we're going to offend this person because they're different. I'll tell you, different and fear of offending somebody is, is, is completely different. If somebody is mentally ill, mentally handicapped, something that can be diagnosed by by medi- medicinal, what have you, a doctor, a doctor, yeah, somebody saying there is a disease. Hey, called this gender person, dysphoria. this person has Down syndrome. Hey, this person has um, has Tourette's, or this person has, has something that that ails them is completely different than somebody says. I don't want to be a girl anymore. Okay, that's a problem. That's a problem. Sorry, this is what you were born with. You can't change it. Can I can I go on to a weird uh, conspiracy tangent that Do I just it. thought of right now? This, like, new world order, right? This, this idea of conforming everyone to assimilate with one another... To fit into this broad category of the person. No longer an individual, just a person that fits within a square peg in a square hole. This assimilation of being um, able-bodied to take whatever it is and just accept it. You know, mm-hmm. no longer question the authority. No longer have anything to do with, you know, equal ideas or thoughts or anything it, dude, it it mimics so much of George Orwell's 1984, like face crime. That yeah. that fucking oh yeah, you that, consider the fact that that fucking kid with yeah the, the kid had uh, a smirk on his face. Mm-hmm, he was trying mm-hmm. to hold back some probably some fear and emotion. So sure, what when, do you do when I'm scared and I don't want to show you I'm smile. scared? I smile, right? Because he was freaked out, it, dude. If a fucking that's an, that's an unnatural natural reaction. Yeah, if a sixty-five year old man was banging a drum in my face and I was sixteen years old, I'd be smiling. Or, What's, or what reaction do you have at that point? Or it's a very unnatural situation that a sixteen-year-old kid has has never been put into, you know. And I'm sure that this kid is probably brought up to to respect um, individuals of of an older age and. Sure. What do you do? You know, I don't agree with you, so I'm just going to go so, ahead and not say anything and maybe smile. And he can't speak because this guy's chanting and banging a drum in his face. He can't express anything other than what was left on his face. And right. So face crime, right? George Orwell, 
not able to make an expression and because you consider of the these celebrities that. and stuff saying this little shit with this mark on his face. We should, we should, we should smear him. We should, we should expose all of his information. All the kids that were there, we should release their information because because Dox they're, they're disgraced. Dox them, yeah. It's 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 yeah. That doxing thing. It's horrible. Who would call it's, that on anyone? Uh, like in the Huffington Post, after all that shit, they now lost their opinion for him. Because so many, luckily, so many, so many people with brains have actually said, this isn't right. So where I was going with this whole conspiracy tangent thing is when you think about the immigration catastrophe mm-hmm. that's happening in Europe, in Minneapolis, is the greatest um, concentration of Somali refugees existence where? In, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Really? Somali refugees? Oh, a shitload of Somalis. Okay, okay. So you start thinking about how the new world order wants everyone to be equal and just have this free trade. NAFTA, CAFTA has, you know, open immigration from the Middle East over to the United States. And then eventually, I mean, Western Europe is in the same category of a first, first world country that's being overrun. And they want to model the United States after that. They want that free, open border bullshit. And that's what the Democrats are trying so hard to prevent this wall because that's a step in the wrong direction. I mean, the wall isn't necessarily going to be, that's it. You know, NAFTA, CAFTA is done. That wall is uh, is going to be building that momentum of, yeah, we need to protect our border. This nation needs sovereignty. We need to stay as the United States. We don't need to have free immigration between us because we're americans we don't want to be north americans granted we're in north america but there has to be a separation between these countries that's how that's how the country operates yeah so you have all this open bullshit going on um when you look at the state of the union how it was brought up that human trafficking will be stopped drug cartels Mm -hmm. etc 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 And the improvements and not a, we've made so far. And not a single fucking Democrat claps to that. That's, and shakes that's their terrible, heads and Dan. stuff. How about we look that's at the... That's so telling. That how, is so telling as to where their their morals sit. And their motivation. Yes. Of what? Because they are funded by the cartels. Right. They're, they're, I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. It, they're losing out on something from that. Who would not want to protect these... Ho- these atrocities are happening to these young girls. Right. Right. And the, and dare I say this New York issue with the... I, I, I can't believe that this is even something that was passed with the abortion that up to the minute before... The moment. Birth. That is heartbreaking, man. Literally. The, the thought of you could take this child out of the womb right now and it would thrive. Even but, at 26 weeks. But it won't. Because, yeah, because you don't want it. So the solution to all this is making adoption easier. Adoption, adoption is, easier, yes. Uh, adoption I mean, is in the state, very difficult. Here in the state of Arizona, you have, I think it's, what is it, three weeks, I think, after birth that you can drop the child off. At a fire station. At a, well, at a or fire a, station. Or a hospital. Or a, uh, what is it, child safe 
location. Yeah, safe space. Safe. Something you, like you that. You see them in QT. That, you see them that in orange, Quick Trip. Yeah, yeah. The the yellow placard that says safe space. It looks like a big black. Any hospital, things thing. like that. It's like at the hospitals. It's it's basically a drawer that you can pull open, place the baby in, close it, and that's it. And they get put into the system. But the, the amazing thing about it that is, is. At least the baby has a chance. The baby has, has, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of families who can't have children of their own, that want who them. are willing to adopt, who want to adopt, who are trying to adopt, you know? And those are great people, too. They're I mean, amazing people. A shitty person does not want to adopt a child. Mm-hmm. There are so many better options than killing this child. And it is a child. When, when a woman has an abortion, they don't, or not an abortion, I'm sorry. When they have a miscarriage, yeah. they don't say, oh no, I, I lost my fetal tissue. They say, I lost my baby. Yeah. It's a baby. It's a baby at that a point. A baby is a person. Yeah. It has a heartbeat at like six weeks. Yes. How can you say that is not a living individual? Granted, it's not as developed, but I dare say that you're not as developed if I you don't fucking understand. I guarantee if it was a fucking dolphin, they would have said different. If it was an animal, they would have said different. If it was anything else other than human that didn't change their situation, it would be different. Al Gore wants to save trees more than he wants to save babies. Yeah. The, the he, he wants to change. He wants to save something that isn't going to make conscious decisions later in life, that can't develop into something later in life that can change the situation of humanity. They can make the decision that this one tree that didn't survive, I'll save a hundred more. I'll save two hundred more. I will change things going forward because a tree can't make that decision. They put more value on it. I take that back. They consider humans to be a cancer to to the world. That mentality is what has caused this whole crisis that we're in because they consider humans to be the enemy to the planet. Instead of the human developing the solution to make the the planet more sustainable for futures to come, well, then I'll have to I'll have to give you a question about that. Are humans the cancer? No, I, this you you have to dissect that question for a moment. Cancer or bacteria or whatever that uses a living organism as a host can be a detriment. I will say that fifty percent of your cells in your body are bacteria that have to work in it. the only reason why you're alive is because of that bacteria it allows digestion it aids in protecting your systems so that you can continue to function i believe that the human being is complemented in the same way that we use the bacteria in our own system to allow survival we were put on this earth for a reason god has allowed us to thrive, to conquer this world, to allow us to make us the masters of this planet. We do have a great responsibility in ensuring as stewards of this planet that we can sustain for future generations. I don't think that we need to be um, squandering the resources here. I, I, I fully believe in sustainability. I do not believe that there's any reason ever to abort a baby medically speaking a lot of people will say well what if it was a rape victim give the baby up for adoption i'm sorry that you have to put up through it but there is many 
people alive today that were a subject of rape that have turned out to be excellent people. Um, because even though you might not have loved that person that you've made the child with, it's still half of you. Yes. There are people who say, well, there are situations where the mom will die if you don't abort the baby. That's not true. There's a C-section for that. Your body will naturally protect you with a spontaneous abortion, also known as a miscarriage, if that's mm -hmm. the case. There is not a single circumstance that requires you to abort that child, ever. Right. And if you don't want it, that's perfectly okay. Because there is a family that will take it for you. And so the solution is that for a naturally born child, a naturally born child that needs to go into an adoptive family, mm -hmm. I think those adoptive families need a less expensive more integrated way to actually take custody of those children. That that would be the easiest solution. The president that started the um, planned, par planned Parenthood, Yeah, there's so many quotes that she says that pertain about basically controlling the population of the black population. Mm -hmm. How it's a way of exterminating. How dare anyone commit such a genocide against one specific race if you don't fucking believe me look it up for yourself mm -hmm. i don't care there is a lot of motivation that has been hidden from most people behind what planned parenthood began as yeah the birth rate in new york of blacks was less than the abortion rate of blacks yes how is the same that thing. a fucking statistic it should never be it should never ever be but you consider the fact, the law, New York, just passed. A minute before uh, birth. You can stick a minute, a needle a in their minute. head. You consider the fact that children have been born 38 weeks. 26 37. weeks. There was that yeah. awesome interview with the twins that were super duper premature that have lived awesome <sighs> lives. Doesn't matter. Yeah. There was a lady on Instagram that I saw that said, hey. This was born at 27 weeks. New York. What do you have to say about that? Because to New York, that's not a baby. It's not a baby. Shit, is it not a baby? Another, what, 20, 13 weeks after that? It's not a baby until 13 weeks after that? Well, they're saying it's not a baby until it naturally passes through the birth canal or C-section and is exhumed from this woman. Exhumed could be, could be, what could be that abortion? What could have been? Yeah, so after you extract this baby that you've torn apart inside the woman, then does it constitute as a baby? Or no, because it's in four or five different pieces. It's still a fucking person. I will I will debate let's, let's, any single person that wants to debate me as far as what abortion and when is a baby pro choice. A baby? Yeah. Come when at me, bro. Is a baby I will a baby. debate anybody. I invite whoever it is to that wants to come on the show and debate me on a that wants to debate me on abortion on when a baby is a baby, come on the show. This is an open invite. Yeah. I will let you speak. I won't be an asshole. When, I'll let you speak, but yeah. you have to let me speak too. I'm going to be very, very direct on this one. The year is 1943. When is a Jew a Jew? This is exactly the same. It's eugenics. It is. It is. It's the Holocaust that I, I hope it's genocide. that we are ashamed of. In, in history books, when we look at to see how many babies we've aborted, I want it to be the most horribly thought of, upon. Allow act me to of apologize for for to Native Americans what occurred 
110 years ago, 120 years ago, when today we are killing children. Yeah, the Trail of Tears is nothing in comparison to killing killing of our babies, man. So we're talking about rape and, and individuals who could have been great because of... It happened to be a product of rape, right? One of the greatest... <laughs> one great person who is actually a product of rape is Erythra Kip. Erythra... Excuse me. Urethra? Erythra Kit. And if you don't know who she is, she's the individual who sang Santa Baby, the original version. Santa Baby. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine if you had to live your life without that song. Right. Born in 1927 on a cotton plantation of South Carolina. And I'm pretty sure anybody who's from the left is going to make some racist jokes about this one. <laughs> Aretha Kitt, Jesse Jackson, Lane Beachley, who's a seven-time surfing world champion as well. Product of rape? Yeah. Kelly Wright from Fox and Friends. Really? Yeah. I would hope that all those people are pro-life. Right. You would assume, like, you are an amazing example of 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 an Talk. uncommon situation that occurs, and you have not only changed the lives of a number of individuals, who of which you you speak to indirectly, mm-hmm. but you are that role model. You know, I don't know how else to to really articulate that you know i mean i don't think of myself as anybody special or anybody unique or anything like that but if i have an opportunity to say to my son one day hey bud here's my life experiences i'm no different than so and so who lives next door but i can tell you that if you make these choices this is what's going to happen yeah cause and effect yeah there's a cause and effect to it that I hope impact you, that I hope that you consider the next time you decide to do something. You sound like Brian Cullen. Who? The guy that, the comedian, he was oh. in The Hangover that did. Good, I'm glad I'm funny. No, just, you're not that funny. The guy from <laughs> The Hangover that did The Weddings, he was like, oh, you know, I feel so sorry. You know, I do enormous too. I hate to do them. Your voice is all fucked up from coming. Uh, yeah, I'm. Do you think? Okay, I want. <coughs> he look, dude. He looks like, um, like something Callahan. I don't know, but he look. No, he looks like Brian Cullen. <laughs> you know, he looks like Brian Cullen. You uh, you know the the whole thing about like non-player character NPCs. Yes. You know, like Orange Man Bad. Orange Man Bad. I've been I've been really self conscious about that. I'm wondering if I'm an NPC. Dude, I see that all the time on. Um... <laughs> I see that all the time on like um, Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. On like individuals who are like famous Proud Boys. Yeah. I see that on their stuff. Yeah. Orange Man Bad. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, hey, 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 left lady. <laughs> When so like Neanderthal talk? When do I become? I mean, when am I not an NPC? I'm really scared about being an NPC. <laughs> when am I not? Do you okay? So like it's like I, getting out of the friend. When am I not? When am I not in the friend zone anymore? Yeah, exactly, dude. Like an NPC to me is you know okay. Like NPC that would exist is like um, I don't know any video game where you like you you purchase something from like a merchant. 
That person is an NPC. Okay. The the someone just riding by on a horse on Red Dead Redemption. That's an NPC because they're not controlled by anyone. They're just part of the video game. Yeah, they're just programmed to do. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're programmed into it. That's the NPC. And so, like, you can kill the NPC, and it doesn't matter because they've really contributed nothing to the storyline of this game. I'm really concerned that I'm an NPC. And I want to know, like, how do I get out of the NPC? I'm really concerned that I'm an NPC. Like, when when I do something, like, what do I have to do to get out of that realm of being an NPC? Do I have to, like, cure something? Do I have to be someone that's, like, made an impact in the world? Or do I have to, like, make an impact? Is there a main character that I'm not aware of that I need to, like... The thing is, is you're the main character of your life. So, so whether you decide to be an NPC in your life is your decision. I do a lot of things with the idea of being that like there's a documentary being filmed about my life. No, that's that's actually really good. Live your life as if there's a camera following you everywhere you go because there's a couple things that happen there. There is one, you'll hold yourself accountable to a level of which you probably never would. Okay. And then there's another thing of you will try to live life the way you want other people to see it. And that's what I try to do. Well, which is great. Which is great because then you are living the life you want. You you like you are writing that book that you want people to read. That you'd be proud of. Yes. And is it because you want people to be impressed by it? Or is it because you're like you you look back at it and think, I'm proud of this. I did this. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, dead horses and shit that get beaten a lot by the stuff that I say. I get that. Like, a lot of my uh, thoughts are not original. I understand well, that. Well, I mean, you consider that there's 2,000 2, years worth of, of human history. It's it's pretty hard to come up with something unique at this point. 6,000 years of human 6, history. 6,000 years, sure. No, written history anyway. But the idea behind this documentary of myself being written is more so, like, I'm in it. I'm not in a shitty place in my life right now, but I want it to be like as if it is a shitty place in my life and how I somehow crawled out of this fucking hole I'm in, right? Like I talked about earlier of like doing 30 interviews. Yeah. After each interview, I wanted the idea of having like a camera crew behind me saying like, well, fuck, you know, it'd be so easy for you to give up right now, but what are you going to do about it? So if you have the camera crew behind you, you're like, you know what? No, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to be the badass, the guy that doesn't give up, the guy that really like looks at it, puts all his cards on the table and says like, okay, this is what I've done wrong. This is what I know I can do better. Let's work on the stuff that I think is hard because if you do the thing that is hard, that's where you're going to get better. Right. Like for me, I hate stairs. Like when I do towers, which is climbing up like five flights of stairs, I suck. Oh man, it's just, it is tedious. Yeah. And I'm like carrying like 40 pounds of hose on me while I climb up and down the stairs and I generally suck at it. Mm-hmm. So what do I do when I work out doing a skills course, whatever, that's the first thing I do because I hate it. I don't yeah, want to do it, it. It's that thought of getting it out of the way. No, but I, but that's the thing. That's a weak thing. That's a weak thing okay. to think like, okay, well, you know, I can Strength get out of the way. Me. No, I want it to be, I want the most difficult thing for me to end up being the easier thing. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? I've done that 200 times. Yeah. You know, but when I started, I sucked. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I avoided it. I would spend workouts not doing it because that, that, I was that, worried about That is about an A-type behavior because you consider 
the the um if you do something that you hate this is okay so i have a sticky note at my desk job that i put on my computer that says without friction there is no growth so if you have friction in your life that's where you grow when you think about weightlifting the friction of you lifting that weight will cause your muscles to grow if you're in an easy place in your life that's when you go to sleep the human the mammal the animal there's two periods in your life there's fight or flight and there's feed and breed when you're calm you eat when you're calm you have sex you breed when you're calm you sleep so there's feed and breed fight or flight is the opposite it's a that's the 180 of one another when you're in that stressful situation you're either going to fight or you're going to run away the idea behind that is if you're afraid of something that's what you need to tackle because that is your brain telling you that that's the point that you need to work on if I'm afraid of doing those stairs carrying that thing because I'm sucking oxygen, my, my lungs are on fire, my legs are on fire, I'm not fast, I'm bad at it, that means I need to do more of it. Yeah. If you are really shitty at interviewing for that job that you've wanted forever, you need to sit in front of a mirror. On top of that, you need to record yourself with your phone and look how stupid your face looks and how you're playing with your nipples when you're really fucking nervous. Oh, you have these weird tics that you don't notice is because you're fucking horrible at it. But you know what? You taking the time and actually accomplishing facing your fear is going to make you better. It's going to yeah. make you more. It's going to make you sharper. It's going to make you that give you that competitive edge that you've never had before. All right. And I'll, I'll tell you too, working in a high stress job before that, that forced me to, to adopt a mindset that I could possibly not come home that day, that night, that afternoon, not see my loved ones, my son, whom have you. I will say that there are three types of personalities or three types of reactions that you can have to it. That being fight, flight, or freeze. Now that also being um, that being in the right, being in the wrong mindset, not being ready for those situations, not understanding what's going on, not having mentally prepared yourself for what could come is 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 a free situation where you have <laughs> there are three three stages of of reaction when it comes to a situation and that being flight fight and freeze so not having yourself in a situation where you've mentally prepared yourself to um experience a situation could be this freeze it's something so shocking to you that you have no reaction, that you haven't planned ahead, that you haven't thought that my body is going to endure whatever trauma is about to about to occur, whatever, um, whether it's physical trauma or situational trauma, even that you you freeze. So if you freeze, then I mean, there's not like there's no I don't know codex to really say how you're going to react, but. I think that if you prepare yourself to, I don't know, kind of like build that muscle memory, because your brain is a muscle too, in that yeah. sense. Yeah. You're not always going to freeze when it comes to situations that are uncomfortable. This is, yeah, it's very true. I mean, you you train yourself to a point where you say that, and I'll, I will get very opposite into the spectrum here, where you go to KFC and you're not bothered by the fact that 
what you're seeing underneath those heat lamps is is the chicken that you might have in your backyard at home. Because Dude, I'm not Mexican. I don't have chickens in my backyard. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> it seems like a really... You're missing out at your, your neighbors yelling at you when it's fucking crowing at 5.30 in the morning. And But, uh, but no, I mean, you... You're right. Your muscle, your brain is a muscle. Your heart's a muscle. Your your obviously your muscles are muscles. Your muscles are muscles. Your muscles are muscles. But you have to like kind of like get yourself ready for anything that you're not ready for. I know that sounds crazy, but yeah. you kind of have to. You, keep you your can't prepare yourself for certain things that occur in life. You can't prepare for every scenario that ever happens. Um, if that were the case, then you could probably predict the rapture. <laughs> Am I wrong or am I right? Because if you're if you were you have the ability to prepare yourself for every car accident that you rolled up on or every house fire that you were to 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 respond to, medical emergency that you were to ever experience or mm-hmm. or witness, then then you would be quite top tier, but you can't do that. But, but you, you can put yourself in a mindset that says I'm going to run these scenarios through my mind. If this occurs, then at least I can prepare myself for this related scenario that were to happen and be quasi-ready for it. You know, it's a, a good novice way to kind of accomplish that when you said, like, rolling up in a house fire medical call or, you know, something that is taking you by surprise or, you know, something that you haven't mentally prepared at mm. is, like, take yourself out of that emergency for a second. Realize, like, number one, Maybe this isn't my emergency. Maybe it's someone else's emergency. And then second, if you were to be able to kind of disassociate yourself from that particular situation and take a couple seconds. And now with adrenaline, that couple seconds may be milliseconds, but it feels like a really long time. So you're not necessarily freezing, but you're looking at the situation from like almost if you were outside your body, like, okay, what could I do? To make this better, like, but see, here's the thing: is you've already mentally prepared yourself to analyze yeah. an emergency situation and create a solution, rather than here is my freeze, here is my flight. Yeah. Well, like, in in, I mean, something that could be really uncomfortable, something I don't encounter on it every day, is um, okay. Something I never experienced was actually like somebody holding up a. Uh, a convenience store that I've been in. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced that before. I've seen it on like videos, so maybe I have prepared myself a little bit by actually watching that shit, but it's something I've never like physically been in before. Mm-hmm. How would I react? I really don't know. True. It really depends on like where I'm standing in regards to the assailant with the firearm that's holding up that cashier. Would I tackle them mm-hmm. or would I not? Would I start thinking about my own life, my own safety, or what I think about the safety of others. You sure. know, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables in that situation. Maybe even something more common that people might run into is like um, an issue with their supervisor. I think that's something that a lot of people don't anticipate. So, that's, like, that's a really good actually. That's a really good example because that's a very um, I don't want to say low stress, but low. Um, Impact? No, because it can be quite impactful, but oh. it's a very um, low urgency. Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah. It's, it's not a high-stress thing in that moment, but it could be something that is a very um, tedious and stressful over time. Sure. 
So again, the best way to, to handle a stressful situation like that is disassociate yourself. Yes. If you were that camera crew doing the documentary of your life, how would you like to see that reaction? Would you immediately react or would you take a second to actually interpret what's happening and then formulate a plan based off of the observations that you're making? That's what's important when it comes to any situation where you do have to act on the fly is not making a knee-jerk reaction because sometimes if you don't have that muscle memory built, you're going to make the wrong reaction. Absolutely. You're going, like, that's where you make most of your mistakes, like on drills over and over that we practice over and over again. The intent behind that is so you don't have to think about what to do next. It just comes naturally. Like in martial arts, like if you see someone coming across your right-hand side, you know automatically to put your left hand up or, you know what I mean? Just It just comes naturally. You don't need to think about it. But if you're in an unnatural state of something that you've never experienced, actually, you do have a couple seconds to think about it. It's not freezing. Freezing is just sitting there the entire time, the entire scenario, and not doing a thing about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But if you hesitate or take a couple seconds to analyze what's going on, I think that's going to better aid you moving forward until you actually have that muscle memory down where you've experienced it. Now, this isn't going to be applicable in every single situation where you're going to have a lot of time to make decisions based off of that because... Let's let's face it, like if you're in that convenience store, someone's pulling up a gun, you only maybe have one or two seconds to right. make your decision. Right. It's a situation that where you don't choose the environment, you don't choose the time, you don't choose what happens. The situation, the time, the instant chooses you at that point. So in any circumstance where it does take you in that uncomfortable zone, the important thing to remember is to keep emotion out of it. Like with supervisors that will take you and like supervisors that will take you into their office and, and say something shitty about your performance or something like that. Yeah. You have to take your emotion out of it. You have to take it very analytically, take it with a grain of salt, and then formulate your plan in between sentences. Don't automatically reply. Right. You need to really th- Because be I feel like when you automatically reply, it becomes emotion. At that absolutely. point, there is absolutely no, or maybe there is, because maybe you already saw it coming and planned for it. Because you're putting up your defense, though. If you say something knee-jerk, it's because you're defensive, but you're protecting your emotions at that point. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll talk about it. Butt sex. Why the, why is it such a taboo topic? Because it feels... It hurts me. It hurts me. Why would God put a playground right next to a sewage plant? I think it's great. You have to like really prep for it, though. What? Okay. Well, is there like a um a ritual? Yes. Step one: poop. Step one. That is a very good step one. Step two: use baby wipes. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Step yeah. three, take a shower. Put a hole in the box. Step four. Make her sh- open the box. Shave. <laughs> sh- shave. <laughs> Wax. Yes, yeah, st- I don't know. Waxing seems like it hurts a lot. I know that um, strippers tend to wax, I think. Did- <laughs> I dated a stripper for a while. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. We went to her house one day. 
Yeah, that was the most. That was like the one big bizarre exposure I had to like life outside of a sheltered home. I suppose. Yeah, I was eighteen. Strippers, dude, they live a very like depressing lifestyle. I mean, yeah, I mean they they are like one step above a hobo. I don't know that um what the life is of a typical stripper but like this girl lived like a vampire you know they they worked like the worst shittiest hours ever i mean obviously the club what are, what are, what are ideal hours for a stripper i gotta be honest. I, have I, to I mean like if i were to be a stripper i would think that working the late shift to two o'clock would probably what be days? preferable because like you think Alcohol stops at two o'clock. Why on earth would you want to stay later? But like, because they're already intoxicated. Yeah, and I I get that. Like a lot of the culture too kind of involves more drug use, you know. And um, speaking of drug use, I remember going to our house and finding scales and seeing powder and seeing some weird shit there. Yeah, I mean, I think to live in that kind of like working till four in the morning bullshit, you. You do kind of have to rely on cocaine if you're a stripper. She she was a good girl, though. I mean, that's the issue, man. Like, I didn't know her well enough. To... I spent a lot of time with her. I don't know what was wrong with me. Like, I wanted her to to I wanted her to to want me, man. I was in a weird place in my life. I mean, who who's in a good place in their life when they're dating a stripper? Probably no one. She. Um, I'm in love with a stripper. She rock. She roll. And she but. You know what? Like they just don't really have a, a good grasp on like what real life will bring. You know, because she worked with some girls that were moms and had stretch marks and shit. And you know, there was plenty of strippers that were, I think, approaching their forties. And I don't know. To me, I just felt that was like super depressing. And again, I, I can't judge. You know, like everyone's got their own life and to each their own. Whatever you want to say, but like. Obviously, she had she had dad issues, and you know she gave me the same sob sob story of like wanting to pay for college. I, I just think that's like a, a really easy trend to kind of fall into, saying like I'm paying for something greater than this. But it's savage money, dude. Like it's like the golden handcuffs when it comes to a woman, man. Like she was pulling in probably I don't know at least a grand a week, maybe two grand a week, something like that. Cash, like, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, she's pulling a shitload. I mean, like, how can you walk away from that? You know, that's a lot. That's over. Tough. I'd take my clothes off for that. That's you know, you're averaging between fifty to a hundred thousand yeah, dollars a year, and and that was at like a shitty club. So, yeah, like you know, 50, 60 grand a year. Yeah, when well, yeah, depending on how much yeah. you bring home, and then it's like, how do you walk away from that? Because as soon as you go into the real world kind of work, corporate America, you're all of a sudden making like barely breaking 40, you know, and that's someone with like a college degree, their first job. How, how can you walk away from that? So what's the incentive, dude? I mean, like money. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's the point. Like what's the incentive of walking away from that? That's my point. Like, so when I, when I was with her, it was weird because, you know, you, you go in knowing that she's a stripper, so you can't be upset of her being naked in front of other dudes. And then, you start thinking of, I don't know, the older you get, you start thinking of like, holy shit, like she's doing drugs or she is, God knows what she's doing in private rooms. You know she's what I mean? doing like, drugs, man. I will say that I remember going to her home 
mm-hmm. in the back of it was a really shitty our buddy's part of truck. No, it was the back of our buddy's truck. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the bed on the fifty-one. That was my truck. No, that wasn't your. Was it your truck? Yeah, it was it Tacoma? Okay, it was your truck. Yeah, it was a shitty truck. I remember sitting in the bed of the truck on the highway. <laughs> so illegal now. Is it? It is very legal. Yeah. Now it is. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's always been illegal, but I think it's now. I think recently like it's been enforced. Over. I think it's been enforced now. Yeah. But um, I haven't seen anyone in the back of a truck for a long time. I remember walking into the apartment and seeing, like I said before, I remember seeing scales, I remember seeing powder, and just kind of being that young, naive, like, what is this kind of thing? Not thinking much of it, I guess, but... Toxic area, though. Where was it? I don't, you know, I don't even remember. I remember there being a water tower right next door to it where in, it was. Yeah, it was in Tempe. It was like in the fucking like, it was in the industrial district of Tempe, which was, isn't far from ASU. No, it's not. I mean, it, it Tempe's a weird fucking city because there's there's the school, there's the industry part where they have distribution areas of you know chemicals and shit, okay. and then they have. You know, obviously the dorms and other apartments for, you know, yeah, that living in that area is so close to Mesa. I don't know, just kind of get out of subject here, but like being with her in particular is just is a weird way of looking into that kind of lifestyle of not conforming to a typical society, and then at the same time just realizing that this person's motivations are just purely based off of money, like. I think what kind of gave me a little bit of comfort is like we think about like a child worker, right? Like someone that works in like a daycare. Like you don't worry about daycare workers stealing your kids because like they fucking hate those kids. Like they, like kids, that, the people that work at daycares, they can't fucking stand those kids. This and the is, same thing. Yeah, I feel like that's a very taboo truth to that. Yeah, yeah okay. and like the same thing with like sex working. Like they don't want those men. Like they fucking hate them. Like. They're basically babysitting drunk men all day long. True. Like, so you're not okay. like really worried about them stealing them. There's this Instagram called Exotic Cancer. It's hilarious. It's a stripper that's an exotic dancer, and she kind of like talks about that shit. But, you know, I, I got to ask, though, and it's really, really, really off topic, though. Things that um, that haunted you as a child, you know. Like my house? Like your house. Yeah, I grew up in a haunted house. That is the coolest thing. Like, if I were to have it any best cool. friend, I mean, if I were to have any best friend on, like, a person who didn't necessarily experience the, uh, the huge ramifications of it, <laughs> to Count, say, counsel. wow, I'm glad I had a really, be- <laughs> a really good best friend who had a haunted house, and I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad I did. It was legit haunted, though. That's, tell, us, tell us about it. Like, it wasn't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that Cool. I gotta say that it was no, like okay. So I spent a lot of nights, uh, you know, you and I having grown up, knowing each other through kindergarten and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We had sleepovers. We had sure a lot of time at your place, a lot of time at my place, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there were times where I, even I experienced things that were strange. It just felt like a weird energy all almost all the time at night. And I know it sounds so stupid and cliche with it happening at night, but like the first things that we noticed when when we thought that the house was haunted was like the fucking toilet would flush. Like right. and that seems very benign. 
something yeah, silly. You know, it'd be you know, you could play it off as like, you know, the float was off or like it would sure. continue to run and then you know, all that all that Yeah, the pressure wrong. would just cause it to flush or something. But like that didn't exist. It was just the toilet would randomly flush. And it'd be weird. You know, you wouldn't you started to realize like did you jiggle it, the handle? Yeah, like it didn't happen common enough to where it would be like a plumbing problem, but it would just be kind of random. Like, why did the toilet flush? Right. And then you hear thumps, you know, you could kind of attribute it to like, oh, you know, maybe the house is settling or something silly like that. But then it got to the point where like um, this woman would scream at my brother for jumping I on the bed. I remember him talking My brother about was that. jumping on the bed and he's like, I'm sorry, mommy. And when he comes out and we're like, what are you talking about? He says, Mommy, I'm, I'm sorry for jumping on the bed. I'm sorry, you know, you you yelled at me. And, you know, my mom wasn't in anywhere close to being earshot of my brother. And uh, and it was weird because, you know, he described how she sounded. You know, it was like, Jake, stop jumping on the bed! You know, something just really, really aggressive. Really fucking, fucking horrifying the way you just <laughs> said that. <laughs> yeah, like really scary. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I can say it like that because, like, I remember this this thing screaming, and this other time, you know, I, I heard uh, I heard my mom yelling at me this one time from her room, from inside the room, like, "Go to goddamn come in!" You know, just this crazy scream. Yeah, I'm like the most angry I would ever imagine her, and it, you know, my brother and I would. You know, like what the fuck? You know, like indistinguishable sort like, of. Uh, what the f- you know, it was it was definitely a woman's voice. Sure, your mom though, your mom's voice. Well, it sounded like my mom's voice. If she was like the most angry you've ever heard her. Yeah. And you know, my brother and I would, you know, go to her room, open up the door, and I'd be terrified to go inside her room. Like I felt like there was a presence in there, and you know, she always parked her truck out front, and she wasn't home. She was working. You know, we had a babysitter coming that later that night just to watch us overnight, you know, because it was a school night. She worked in an, in another city, so it was like, what the fuck was that? And, you know, okay, so that night in particular, like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. So she screams at me. Mm-hmm. You know, this this thing screams at me, says my name. Go up to her door, realize she's not there. Her brother validates that her truck is gone. So both of us are spooked, you know, and... It was winter time. We had a, f- a fire going in the fireplace. We sit down on the couches in our living room, and if you can imagine, they're kind of like a backwards L in the living room, and both facing the TV. So I'm sitting down, kind of just processing what just happened, and I, you know, both of us are just kind of like staring at this TV that's off. Yeah. And um, we see a reflection go by on the TV, and it's kind of moving towards a fire and you know both of us like look at each other not saying a word obviously but just kind of have this confirmation with another like something uh, just happened i just saw something move in the right. tv like a reflection like it went in front of right. me and then the fire in the fireplace goes <laughs> and just it blows out probably about 10 feet outside sucks back in and then I feel like ten feet from your from your living room. It went is, into the living basi- room. Is basically like if you were to picture um, the living room and the fireplace being on the well. Okay, just for directional purposes, we'll say on the south side of the room. Sure. Okay, were to shoot out ten feet from from it, 
it would essentially be to the entire length of the living room. Mm-hmm. It essentially almost touched the other couch. That's crazy. I mean, it, two it, seater. It, it was a two seater. Yeah, it was a love yeah. seat and then the three seater couch. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting on the three seater couch and it almost went all the way to the love seat and sucked back in. And then the, the fire was extinguished at that point. Like, it was just embers. That's crazy. And, you know, both of us were in this shock. Like, this this is real. You know, like, mm-hmm. we, we thought we heard something, we thought we saw something, and then we definitely experienced this, this fucking... Did you guys yell or scream? Or? Oh, dude, yeah, both of us just freaked the fuck out as soon as that fire went, and then, was, you know, as soon as the fire went out, we were like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. You know, I was, I was probably, like, 14. Brother was, you know, 11. Yeah. Um, We left the house. Jake, only three years old. You are? Yeah, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was your not. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's just immature, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got Asperger's. But there, <laughs> the and then from that point forward, you know, it, I didn't understand why. I mean, my mom had told me that um, you know, she had psychics come into the house before that, and you know, she had explained like hearing. She was sitting down in the living room that was in front of. I guess it would be considered. You know, like we had the dining room, the living room, and then the family room is what mm-hmm. how we classified mm-hmm. it. So, and the living room was in front of the the front door, and you know really? she I, I can yeah 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 I don't know yeah you that guys was had a, that weird like gravel pit yeah there was a gravel front, front door yeah there was a gravel pit from <laughs> the front door yeah uh, there was a couple couches there and she said that she had a psychic come into the house and did like a tarot card reading okay. and she said that like. They heard like a huge fucking slam on the front door, opened it, and this huge gust of wind came in. And that was like the beginning of this this conjuring of these spirits. Weird. So, you know. Wait, when was that? Like, if you were to assume what grade we were in or what year, I guess. She, that, that probably happened when I was in middle school. So, so it probably happened around two, eighth grade. So, so like 2099 maybe? maybe? Mm, yeah, it was probably like 2001. Okay. And then, you know, from that point forward, like, things just kind of, like, progressed and got worse and worse. And, yeah. Uh, so, that that seemed to be, like, the pinnacle, the point where, like, things started being bizarre. And I, it's like she let in this poltergeist. I mean, I don't know what else to call it because after that point, you know, the fire thing happened. And then I was choked in my sleep a couple times, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. You know, we talked about sleep paralysis before. There was nothing like that at all. I woke up to feeling hands, like, across my neck, feeling that I had a pressure, like, actually come across my throat, pushing down, not being able to breathe, just choking, not being able to catch my breath. And it was something that I was fully awake, fully conscious for. You know, I, I was terrified. I was terrified from it. She... Whatever this thing was just would not let release. And I was banging on my mom's door. Um, and then finally, like, it would let go. And this happened twice where I just could not breathe. And, I mean, my mom sat there helpless, you know, because she didn't know what to do. And, it, and I sound crazy right now even talking about it. But it's like, it was, it was, it was real, dude. Like, it was real. And you brought that painting before. I mean, I know that we talked about it on, I think, I think we talked about it on the last episode, didn't we? So sleep paralysis? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're talking about. It's not, 
It wasn't though. It's not something that you can really explain because it's sleep paralysis um, is. It feels like you're kind of stuck between awake and a dream, yeah, and it's like a purgatory of, of consciousness. Yeah, and like you, you feel like you can get up, but you can't, mm-hmm. and so you're just kind of stuck. And then like the fear starts. In this circumstance, I was able to get out of bed, still being choked. As soon as I left my room, it released. That's weird. It was very, very fucking bizarre, dude. And, you know, she, I don't know, my mom, you know, didn't understand, you know, what to do. Like, she, she, she tried these weird fucking ritual things. It almost seemed like Wiccan to me. Like, mm-hmm. she put in daisies in all the rooms and, uh, so she put a daisy in every single room next to the windows. My room, my brother's room, the the third bedroom, her, the master bedroom. So there was four bedrooms that had these daisies. There was one in the living room, the family room. And the daisy in her room died within a day. Really? Wil- wilted. That's really weird considering the fact that that is probably the room that gets the most sunlight, it being on the west it was, sorry, it the was east on, side. It, it was the on the side. south side. Her room was on the south side. Are you sure? Positive. Her room is on the south side. Yeah, because it faced Bell Road. Which is... It was south... Oh, you're right. No, yeah, you're yeah. right. Which would still get the most sunlight... Yeah, because... Throughout the day. Yeah, without the day. Throughout the day, it would get all that sun. Yeah. And it died first. Weird. And it wasn't actually in the windowsill, so mm-hmm. you can't say that it was due to heat. Mm-hmm. It was just placed next to a window, because that's what this stupid fucking ritual said to do, is just put it next to a window. And... And again, like it talked about, like I heard the screaming coming from her room. And it seemed like that was like the focal point of whatever this thing lived in. So my mom then looked to see the history of this house that we lived in. It used to be a nursing home. So they, I remember that. I remember you, you saying that, yeah. Yeah, so before they bought the house, it actually um, acted as like an in-home nursing facility. So they you know, had the bedrooms kind of like designed to hold like three patients or four patients or whatever and i mean who knows how many people died in there and then on top of that like with her doing the like we the tarot cards and stuff up for sale and then ask the realtor the house needs to be demolished dude <laughs> oh dude uh, i remember i don't know I remember, what it is I, about okay it. so there are a few things that i remember being um growing up with you and remembering occurring in that home <laughs> A couple things being, um, I remember one being freaked out by the painting. If you want to explain what the painting it was. Yeah, the painting. Or where it came from or what have you. Yeah, so uh, again, that that painting was painted by somebody that associated with um, psychics. So I don't know if she was a psychic herself or if she was into like the, the card reading, whatever it was, but... It was painted by her, and you know, immediately looking at it, there was three entities. There was a, a main angel that was kind of like the center point of that the painting. Took up you know three quarters of the actual canvas. It was probably it was huge. It was yeah. Huge it was painting. like it was like a four or five foot tall yeah, painting. I would say five foot by maybe three foot by three and a half. Yeah, maybe four. Yeah. Yeah, it was a yeah. very large painting. It took up the pretty much the whole section of the wall next to the kitchen. Yeah, and there was a main angel there. There was two other spirits that looked next to it, um, to the left and to the right. It was a blue painting. I remember the angel had like yellowish eyes, but if you looked in the painting, there was other beings kind of painted in the background, and that painting would shake. Oh, not not constantly, but like you would 
you know, walk by it or you would stand next mm-hmm. to it and you could hear it vibrate. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever... Yeah, it would it would move. It, it just felt like it had a negative energy as attached to it. Mm-hmm. And like my brother especially was terrified of this painting. So it was one of my ideas to actually set up a track so that it would just kind of crawl across the roof and actually pop off the wall and then like launch down the hallway <laughs> like just to freak him out. But like <laughs> there was there was something attached to so much of the shit that my mom acquired yeah. during that time period. I feel like she had a lot of stuff that was very Dia, Dia los Muertos. Very. What is the name of that Reaper that the um, the cartels worship? It's like the La Muerta. Yeah, uh, it, it's something like the the Grim Reaper, but it's uh, yeah, a woman. I've seen it portrayed as a woman, though. I know that like the cartels worship this uh, this deity. It's loosely based off of the Catholic faith of a, a patron saint, but it it. It did kind of have like that same type of allure. Like my mom did like to collect stuff like that, almost like the the Mexican witches kind of shit. Dude, I I don't know, man, but I mean, it made me a believer in that kind of stuff. I don't, <laughs> you know, the Native Americans talk about skinwalkers, and um, you know, the I know the Hispanic culture talks about you know witches and dark deities and demons and stuff. It it what I experienced, man, like. I would normally be skeptical skeptical to that kind of stuff, but it just seemed too real for me to, to say it wasn't. The religion you're looking for is Santa Muerta. Santa Muerta. Santa yeah. Muerta. So, Saint Death. But it's a Muerta being a female term. Yeah, so yeah, that... It's essentially a, a religious group that focuses on a deity that is associated with Satan. Mm-hmm. That is primarily with cartel with those individuals who I will say because they pray for like protection the protection yeah protection because you're doing things that are not of God's will we'll say mm-hmm. uh, individuals who do things that are evil or or mortal sin mortal sin yeah certainly they commit murder. Um, they commit uh, fraud. Fraud, certainly, yeah. Things that corrupt. Santa Muerta is something that's very interesting. If you ever look at um, their altars, they create altars. Altars? Ofrendas. Ofrendas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll say ofrendas from um, Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> For those who celebrate Dia de los Muertos, who they don't want to. Um, forget the dead. Forget the dead, yeah. Those yeah, who, like photos. who are close to them. Yeah. Um, they they worship individuals who who are intended to cause harm on mm-hmm. others, right? Deities or 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 individual or individual goddess gods or whom have you. However, you want to interpret it. Um, for protection against things that they do of various nature. Deities, or 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 